Kroisop Haub, welcome to this podcast from the Wales Cooperative Centre, Making Sense of Social Value. We're going to be asking, what does it mean and why is it important? And our guests will be offering some practical tips on how people can consider implementing social value within their organisation. My name's Sean Lloyd and I'll be in conversation with Adam Cox, Social Value Consultant at Wales Cooperative Centre. Hello. Hello Sophie Howe, the Future Generations Commissioner for Wales. Great to see you, Sophie. Hello. And Jen Gillies Pemberton, CEO and founder of Ants, a social impact organisation which operates across the UK and Europe. Hello, Jen. Hi. So let's start with the basics, shall we? Social value, what does it mean? Some people may never have even heard of it. Sophie, how important is social value? Well, it's crucially important and, you know, in Wales we have a legal framework which kind of defines what social value is through the, um, the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act and it talks about the kind of our, our mission, if you like, as Team Wales, so it, you know, applies to the public sector, the government and our local authorities and so on, but increasingly the private sector, social enterprises, voluntary sector organisations and communities and businesses are adopting the principles which are basically let's do the things that improve the social, economic, environmental and cultural well-being of, yeah. of Wales. And if you kind of apply that, that test both to what you decide to do, so am I going to spend my money um, as a government building roads or am I going to spend my money investing in public transport you know those are kind of things that if you apply those tests of you know what's better for in terms of addressing inequality it's actually better to do public transport what's better in terms of um, reducing our carbon emissions it's better to do public transport for example so if you apply it to kind of what you decide to do the big ticket items but then also how do you go about doing things and the point that Jen was making there you know sometimes it's the small things that you can do in your organization so in my organization you know the toilet roll um, you know we buy our toilet roll from a company which for every roll they give um, money to um, to young girls for, to improve um, hygiene facilities in um, in the global south um, we do a kind of foundational economy allowance so we've all been working from home for some people that's not you know it doesn't work they haven't got the space and so on so we're saying to them that's okay we'll pay for you to go and you know camp out in a local independent um, coffee shop a local independent because i would be paying money as an employer on rent instead let's put that money back into the what they call the foundational economy or the local economy to do good and regenerate sort of um you know profit and um and and, and you know and good in that economy so you know it's from the big the macro stuff that government does to the local stuff that um we all do in our everyday lives yeah Adam. so sophie was saying we've got the act you're also talking about again individual and different things that you can do on a certain micro basis why have the podcasts why are they important and who should be listening or who are you hoping will be listening to this um, Mainly my family and friends, if I'm honest, so they can finally realise what I do for a living. Um, I call Chandler Bing a lot, yeah. no one knows what he does. So hoping, I feel you. I'm hoping that we're all going to get a chance to, to understand fundamentally what social value is and how there are practitioners within the space that can help. And that's fundamentally what we're looking for today, is to generate some understanding. Um, Realising that it's okay to, to not fully understand even you know, the, the act, the wellbeing goals within it. Um, and, and understanding that small change can sometimes lead to bigger change and you haven't got to do something really nebulous or blue sky. You can, you can take some of your rent that you don't currently pay out um, within your facilities and give it to staff to use a local cafe. I mean, how easy and straightforward is that? There's a, a, an organisation, a, a local authority that 
instead of looking at their entire uh, stationery, decided to just buy their papers from the local shop for the libraries. And I think this is where we need people to understand from these series of podcasts is you don't have to have amazing blue sky change initially, um, but let subtle change occur within organisations. Yeah, Jen, would you agree? Why do you think it's important to talk about social value? I think it's really important because people do think it's it's some huge miracle that they've got to, to, to deliver and it becomes unreachable and undoable and it doesn't impact. So it really is about the small things that a, a person or a business or an organisation can do. There's there's lots of noise out there and we've, we've spoken about it quite a lot is that you know, there's these huge statements, I'm going to employ working class people, you know? No, just employ one. Just actually get to know what it's like working with a local community. Come outside the door and, and go into a prison or go into the local coffee shops. Don't go into your big brands. Go into the, lo- and, and find out what's going on. So, so really, this, should, this is for everyone. Whether you're in work, out of work, running an organization. Um, but also, we also need to consider, you know, if we don't start to do things um, like this, it will commercially impact our local communities. By doing the one thing, you're reducing costs to the local economy and changing lives. So we're all a part of that. Do you have to sell it to people though? Yeah, well, well I think the word sell is, is, is what's happening mm-hmm. <laughs> um, out there is that it's becoming a, a, a marketing commodity that you can go to take to LinkedIn or in your marketing profile. So sell's probably the wrong word. I think what we're trying to do is engage um, in a journey. Uh, listen, we're, in, we're just at a kindergarten on social value. We've got so much to learn, all of us, you know, but some people want to be that teenager and make that noise and say we've done it. So, so to answer your question, um, we don't want to sell it. We want to engage and inform, and that's what today is about, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so that's the pathway that I think needs to be taken. And interesting, you were saying we're just out of kindergarten on social value. So if we, obviously we've had uh, the Act, the Wellbeing Future Generations Act, since 2015. Where does social value sit with the Act? But perhaps before that, just remind people about the Act. Sure. I know we've had it a few years, but there's a lot in it. Absolutely. So um, the Act does a number of things, but the kind of overarching principle, if you like, is that the 44 public bodies covered by it, so like I said, our health boards, our local authorities, and significantly the Welsh Government itself, um, have to demonstrate how they're taking decisions in a way which meets today's needs without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. Big, big stuff there. Why is that so important? Um, Well, basically because short-termism is kind of endemic in public policy. It's why we're in the middle of a climate emergency. Um, It's why we've suddenly, um, you know, miracled up the billions and billions of pounds to respond to COVID um, because that's a kind of crisis immediately in front of us, but we haven't been able to deal with the long-term intergenerational crisis around child poverty, for example. So really kind of trying to shift that, so big, big ticket stuff. Um, it then sets out seven national wellbeing goals. So this is what 
um, we as a nation in Wales are trying to achieve and the, uh, those goals are things like um, a prosperous Wales, a more equal Wales, um, a resilient Wales which is about our kind of ecosystems and, and nature and so on, um, a healthier Wales, um, I won't go through them, we won't go through them all. But one of the really interesting things about those goals is the definition of a prosperous Wales. So if I asked, you know, average person on the street what's, you know, what was prosperity, they'd probably say it's something to do with the economy, it's like, you know, a growing economy, it's GDP um, and, and so on. But actually, you know, it's just a completely um, inappropriate measure. It measures the amount of stuff that we produce in the economy. Now, producing stuff in an economy completely discounts you know, what's been immediately in front of us about things like the power of, you know, the importance of, of care. So, you know, and predominantly women's work there, for example, not counted as part of, of GDP. Um, it requires us to produce stuff which um, you know, half the stuff we produce we don't need, we're over-consuming, that has a kind of um, detrimental effect on the, the planet um, and so on. So our definition in Wales is a productive, innovative, low-carbon society which uses resources efficiently and proportionally, acts on climate change, gives people skills to access decent work. Now, big, important principles there. So where's social value? How so, does it work with the Act? So social value fits there because what we have to do in Wales is in our decision making through how we spend our money on, you know, buying goods and services, um, how we decide to, um, you know, uh, plan and develop our workforce, how we manage our assets, so things like our buildings and estates and so on. We have to apply those principles. How do we do that in a way? which gets us towards meeting those seven wellbeing goals. And that takes you off on a completely different path to the question that has been posed over many years. How do we do that in a way which is going to cost us the least money um, and is not joined up to any other kind of public policy? Adam? Yeah, I, in Sophie's bio, there's, um, uh, in the first paragraph, she's referred to as the first minister for the unborn. And I love that because, in essence, what we're trying to, um, you know achieve within within any sort of social value profile is taking the well-being goals and saying where can we do something today which may I may not get a fiscal return on today I might not save loads of money I might not make a profit margin but what I will do is secure tomorrow in some way shape or form and I think that's where we need to be moving towards when we think about these well the well-being act the goals within it the indicators that help us to achieve the goals is move away from this platform of solely measuring everything in this like fiscal really narrow narrative mm -hmm. because all it does is drive cost and then cost the minute cost goes down somebody within that within a supply chain within a community within a program of build loses out some in some way shape or form and, and social value in essence is about stripping back those initial fiscal measures those uh, the, the, you know budgetary constraints and i might be a little bit you know rose tinted glasses i suppose with this view but not taking the fiscal value of something as the overall measure of success yeah. and actually taking the wider benefits to society, to a community, or to an individual as a really good success model. Yeah. Jen, you work with a lot of businesses. Yeah. Does social value have to go before profit? Um, I think they go hand in hand. Um, I think um, to create, if you look at the Social Value Act in England of 2021, uh, most businesses that are in 
uh, delivering to local government or in a supply chain to one of uh, the incumbent suppliers, they need to consider social value. And a business needs to make money before it can, uh, so it can survive and do the right thing. So I think it's a really fine line, and this is why I keep we are in infancy because it is a, a journey of, of transformation and. Uh, of the businesses that we've worked with, um, by putting social value, social purpose, and people first, they have grown commercially. So they can impact more lives. And they've done it in a very simple way, by really small values and considering the people in work and in the community. So that's how simple it is. It's everything that we're saying today. So, so yes, it is important. Um, no matter whether you're in England, Scotland, Ireland, or Wales, or Europe, um, purpose before profit works. So is it painting a wall or litter picking? What, you know, is it that? It, it, it can be to, to some degree, because it's relative to the community or the, the, the demographic that you're working with in any particular programme or project. But I'll give you an example from for me, okay? Like, a social value for me is when I go shopping in a nationally a national supermarket, which I do, the same as most other people, the products I purchase, I try and get as close to home as possible. And I'm not going to make up an, a situation here. Um, in my local supermarket, I, can, I could in the summer, I won't buy them now because it's out of season, buy strawberries, the same as everyone else. And I'll try and get them as close to Newport as I can. So, at the, you know, I'll... I'll I'm sure the Kentish strawberries are perfectly good, but I try and buy the ones either from Somerset or Hereford, or if I'm really lucky, I can get Welsh ones. And that's, in my S, that's what I define as a social value for me in that, in that just general life operating, you know? And, and that's where we have to start. You have to start thinking in that regard, and then it can get scaled up. Sophie, would you, would you agree with that? I mean, do you look for the local strawberries? God, yeah, I, I mean... Funnily enough, I'm doing an interview later on with the BBC about the sort of personal things that I'm doing about climate change. So I've been trying to think, you know, what are all the different things? And, you know, um, my kitchen cupboards are made from recycled tyres. Um, I've got an electric car. I, um, you know, don't use it that much. Came here today on the on the, the bus because that's good in terms of emissions. Um, I try and buy locally. Interestingly, that's been a lot easier for a lot of people since COVID, you know, working from home and, and so on. And people are liking that. And, and the weird kind of softer stuff from that, which um, you don't very often get government policy talking about, but just think, put your human hat on rather than your, you know, your professional hat on and go, right, what's happened in my life in the last, um, in the last year? Well, you know, I'm bumping into people on the school run who were cycling and scooting, who never did that before because they were dashing to, to get to work. Um, they're stopping off on the way back from the school run um, to buy from the local butchers um, to cook a decent meal rather than, you know, something really, really quick because they've only just got home, at, you know, half past six and it's the witching hour and they've got to feed the kids and so on. Um, and, you know, during that period, you're having a, a conversation. I, you know, met a mum at the school gate where we wouldn't have stopped to chat particularly before, but she was having a bit of a meltdown. She had a cry on my shoulder. Everything was, you know, was a bit better. So you get into those kind of, what are those softer things, right, that, that you can sort of think about in terms of your um, behaviours and those are kind of you know whether you're an individual or whether you're a business. For our health boards, for example, um, we spend about 50%, 52% of our whole budget in Wales on the NHS. Now I love the NHS as much as everyone else, but 
The problem is, is where we treat people when they're ill. And the biggest factors in terms of keeping people well in the first place are things outside of the NHS. So they're things like, have you got a decent job? Well, the NHS are a massive employer. Social care is a massive employer. Around this table, you know, we all know big employers. Are we paying those people a decent wage? Are we exploiting them in terms of the hours that they work? And if we are doing those sorts of things, actually, that's going to have a long-term impact on their health. So there's a kind of a connection there. Then you think of things like, you know, the World Health Organization tells us that 19% of what makes a difference in terms of inequalities in health, you know, the, the, your expected life expectancy, is the quality of your relationships. So do you live in an area where, you know, where you feel you have a sense of agency and you can make a contribution? So far from the NHS thinking, well, you know, jobs and, you know, whether you live in areas of high air pollution and, you know, uh, um, and whether there's a sense of community, not our business, that's someone else's, that should absolutely be the core business of the NHS. So when they're spending their money procuring things, they should be asking questions like, you know, are the sheets that we're buying for our hospital wards, um, where do they come from? And what sort of terms and conditions are the people, um, you know, working in? And actually, can we procure them from our local community? Because having people in our local community in decent work is good for their long-term health. And we're the health service, so that's good for us. So it's all those kind of connections that need to be made from the micro to the macro. So how do you measure it? Because that takes us to an interesting point, I think, about measuring social value. Jen, how, is there a way of measuring? Is it about monetary? It seems that you're, you're saying it, it's not really from, obviously, the conversation so far, but how would you measure it? Well, well that's the question, isn't it? Um, there's lots of measurement tools out there that measure that fiscal um, saving. I think it's, they look like telephone numbers, double you know, triple telephone number lines. So uh, we're, we're at a crisis where measurement of, of, of people and businesses and self-auditing using systems that they can tell you what they've done and it pushes out a number. We need to go back to the basics where we actually uh, follow the journey of a person and that impact and the journey that they're on. And, you know, if you, if you just take someone maybe coming out of prison... Um, they, they haven't got a house, they haven't got um, any money, they haven't even got a coat, and maybe they're at risk of, uh, of taking their own lives. And there's no support for six months. NHS is great, but they're a little bit busy. So how could you impact that person? So in, uh, the way we do it, we engage businesses to uh, fund and contribute to um, uh, by maybe mentoring or or paying for a, a digital connectivity, or buying them a coat. So that's social impact. Um, so measurement is um, its kind of a dirty word in a way, because people need to measure in England to win bids and contracts. Um, but it's becoming more person-centered. So it's about that journey of the person and, 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 and what support that they need. So I think um, there's lots of changes that, that, that need to happen. I do think the local authorities uh, um, need some sort of measurement, um, but at the same time, we can't move away from the person and the impact. So going back to say, should I paint a wall or should I plant some flowers? Well. If you're doing that, could you do it and talk to the person beside you and find out who they are and what they are? Because that's more a bit pa less about painting the wall than, than understanding your community. 
Adam, measurement, is it important? I, I so hopefully sort of bring Sophie's point and Jen's together here. Um, we, we did a piece of work with uh, NHS Shared Services actually um, in the not too distant past to look at their supply chain spend. Um, and where in that uh, supply chain spend there might be gaps for social businesses locally to engage in the NHS supply chain. And it was a huge task, as, as, you know, as Sophie articulated, there's a huge amount of money being flowed through the, the shared services. So th there is sometimes the need to you know, financially and fiscally process and analyse and measure that fin financial spend, but it doesn't really make any direct impact on the outcome or the end product. So the NHS using a social business is fantastic, but as Jen said, it's the staff behind that that really drive that social value change and the model that you can look at to try and just, just underpin exactly what is being done within social value from a huge national organisation, them identifying where they can deal with and work with social businesses within that supply chain spend, and then looking at the lives that are changed, underpinned by the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act, and what that then means to that individual. And you've got a whole cycle there of, of hope. I mean, that's, again, it's, it's, it's very rose-tinted, I acknowledge, but it still offers a full journey um, for the NHS right down through to the, the individual that they're helping you know, improve a life. Well, it'd be great to give people something to take away as well from, from yeah. today, Jen. Yeah. But I know you want to react to that point, but you know, yeah. who should be considering social value well, as well? well well, to consider social value, you've got to understand um, community, and there's a lot of sitting in the ivory towers thinking they know what that looks like. Social strategy and commercial strategy are as important as each other. So for you to, when you build your commercial strategy right alongside be your social strategy, but that's not around a boardroom table. It might be, but it's given everybody a seat at that boardroom table. It's given the homeless, the mom, the youth, that's how you build a social strategy. Um, whether it's having them around your boardroom table or sitting in the cafe or sitting wherever that may be. So to understand people and the societal gaps, you need to have a conversation. And from there, you need to build a structure that can change that person's life. Because if you can't change one life, why even bother going to the, the depths of, of writing a a good marketing plan um, to make everybody feel better. There's no point, and it absolutely dissolves the purpose of what the social value is. So my advice is for any organization, um, micro to global, is make sure that commercial and social strategy sit beside each other, but most importantly, get the right people around the table to have a cup of coffee. And Adam, I'd like to come to you for a tip or some advice that people listening to this may never have heard of social value. Some may have mm -hmm. and want to take it further. What a bit of advice would you give? The takeaway would be don't panic. Don't try and do something too blue sky. Just try and do something very basic. We, we talked about at the start of uh, some, some of those local businesses in Newport, they weren't, they weren't talking about you know, anything multinational. They were just talking about some very basic social values which help them do better in their communities, whether it's work more locally, have a cashless system where people can pay what they can afford, or whether you know, it's, it's, it's what you do at a community level. None of those are wrong. Interpretation of social value is about what the communities need. 
Sophie, how would you like to see people embracing social value? I, I'd agree with, um, with Adam. I think it's about having a go um, and, you know, not being worried about, you know, failing or things that, you know, that, that don't work. I like that, that quote that if you're, if you're not failing regularly, you're just not trying hard enough. Um, and, you know, we've got to, you know, we've got to sort of get over that. So I think that there's, you know, if we kind of also apply what I call the, the good ancestor test, right? Are the things that I'm doing today going to fare my children and my grandchildren and, you know, great-grandchildren well? Um, and if we think about that through that, you know, in terms of what I'm doing in terms of the environment, you know, where am I buying my goods from, you know, what sort of transport am I using and, and so on. Um, some of the big sort of, you know, societal challenges like loneliness and isolation, for example, people see in their everyday lives. So how could I do something a bit different that might tackle some of those things? Um, you know, things around, like I talked about, you know, decent, decent work and, you know, are you paying your staff at, you know, the living wage and, um, and so on. So if you just apply that test of, you know, am I doing the things that are going to, as I said, fare my grandchildren well, then that's a pretty good starting point, whether that's starting from, you know, really small stuff up to how do we change things that the government do. Thank you, all of you, to Adam Cox, Sophie Howe and Jen Gillies Pemberton, I think we had a really good introduction to social value there and we have more podcasts to come. In the next, we'll consider social value in construction. So thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you can join us next time. Diolch and goodbye.